0: radioinfluence.com Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. As always, we're here in Lawfather Headquarters. I feel like it's been a while since we've been on, but good to be back on and to have you all listening a uh, big shout out to radio influence putting this all together and uh take a listen to some of the other shows that they have on there's some really good ones uh, there with my, my buddy dj eakin and ian beckles so uh check those out but uh let's jump right into things and uh, let's look at the uh the surf side uh, down south florida the condo collapse and uh, a lot of things going on with that look really terrible incident and i've said it probably several times you probably kind of Tired of hearing me talk about the fact that when we get involved as lawyers, there's probably something really bad that's happened. And you know, life tragedies kind of equate to really interesting legal questions. And, and this one really has a lot of legal nuances that are, I don't want to say when you're talking about something as drastically bad as this is that it creates interesting questions, but from the intellectual legal side of things, it creates some really interesting nuances. And, and let's look at the first one because, you know, there's, there's likely going not, not likely. There are already several lawsuits that have been filed, right. On behalf of uh, victims, whether uh, they were killed or injured in it. And, uh, at last count when I was looking last night today is, uh, the 12th. So, uh, on the 11th, there were 16 lawsuits that had been filed, uh, that named, uh, Champlain, uh, tower South condominium. So, um, that's the count that we're at now. But so you have a, all those people who have lawsuits, but there are going to be some that lack the ability to bring a lawsuit, right? Okay, so think about this for a second. It's kind of a, a weird thing to think about. You have this mass tragedy. We already have 16 lawsuits, and some of these lawsuits have multiple plaintiffs within it. Okay? But is there a possibility that you could have people within there who have who were killed in this? They, they, they would have had to have been killed as a result of it that don't have a claim. The answer is yes. It, it's really... You kind of get into this really interesting nuance with Florida state statute and it all comes down to the wrongful death statute. So, you could actually have somebody killed in in a negligence action, okay? And that would be what this would fall into in terms of a category, okay? Is negligence. And you could actually have a situation where you can't bring a claim. Well, you your family can't bring a claim. And it has to do with the wrongful death statute. So if you don't have a surviving spouse or you don't have a child that fits the criteria of the statute, guess what? There's no claim, right? And from what I understand of this building, uh, there were several retirees who lived in this building. So you kind of up the odds and the probabilities that you could have individuals who can't bring a claim or their family can't bring a claim on their behalf because by nature of being a retiree, you're usually a little bit older, right? And as you get older, you know, spouses pass away, your children get older, right? So you could actually fall into this this possibility of not being able to bring a case, right? So there are people who may not be able to bring a case. All right, Um, another interesting thing to look at before we kind of dive into what the lawsuits look like, or at least uh, I picked one of them out. Uh, I found one of the attorneys who has uh, several clients in it. And by and large, the, the complaints that that attorney has written are going to be pretty nearly identical in terms of defendants. Uh, one of the interesting, interesting things to look at, and we come right back to Florida State statute, is the town of Surfside is not listed as a defendant. Now, there are several named defendants in, in, these lawsuits, or at least uh, in this one, um, by, in, by this one attorney, uh, there's in excess of 10, it's, I think 12 or 13, uh, individual defendants. And there were, was talk that Surfside would be a defendant. The town of Surfside would be a defendant. Uh, here's why, here's why they aren't yet. Okay. It, it's, it's really, it's interesting in a sense. Uh, I would expect to see them as a defendant possibly in the future. Uh, Not necessarily sure from a legal standpoint. I think there's a lot of legs to stand on for them as a defendant. But why aren't they listed now when seemingly they're listing everybody and their brother as defendants? Well, there is a six-month notice period that comes into play. So there's something called sovereign immunity. And sovereign immunity just says you can't sue a governmental entity Unless that governmental entity allows you to sue them, uh, the the federal government, there are diff- there are ways to do that. Uh, you basically have to ask permission. Uh, on the state level, in Florida at least, it's statutory, and what the statute says is you can sue a governmental entity, but you have to follow very strict procedures. One of those procedures is that you have to wait six months. You have to, there's a notice form that you have to fill out and it's very specific. There's a lot of information that you have to put on it about the specific client and what happened and where it happened. You have to give a lot of specificity as to all the facts. Okay. Send that claim off to that governmental entity and then you can bring a claim against that entity. So you have this six month wait. So what would have to happen in a case like this where lawsuits were filed pretty immediately is you'd have to file a motion for leave to amend the lawsuit and tell the court, Hey, we, we need to add Surfside because a, we can now because it fits the statutory requirements and b uh, most likely because there's been some discovery that's been done and some evidence that's been gathered. There is a reason to bring them in. Okay. So, that is who is missing from the lawsuit. Now, look, this is uh, this is where it gets interesting because there are so many different people involved. There are so many different entities that have become part of this lawsuit. And there's some key pieces here to look at. This was a condo, okay? A condo is owned by all the individual owners, okay? There is not one... It's not like an apartment, for example, where you have somebody who owns the building and the property, and then you're renting from the person, right? And you only really have control over the area, the space that you live in, okay? In a condo, it's different. In a condo, you own your unit, and you also own some of the condo area, or excuse me, the common area within the condo building, right? There is no one centralized owner. Okay. There is an association. Okay. And in Florida, they are all corporations. There is an association that runs the common area. You pay condo association dues into this, into this association. And the owners of these condos have meetings. There's voting that happens. Uh, There's not an independent body that truly makes all of the decisions. OK, that's really kind of an important concept to think about as you move through how this works and what happens, because it's really easy to say that condo association failed those people. Well, let's look at a couple pieces, because what is that condo association made up of? A condo association is made up of residents. OK, the people who are on the condo association board, own. they may not be residents. So let me let me walk that back for a second they may not be residents in terms of that they live there, but they're owners. Okay. So you could have an owner who rents out, uh, rents out a, a, a unit. Okay. And I represented, uh, a, a real estate investment firm and they had a condo, uh, locally that they actually owned. They owned all but two of the units in it. So they ran the association and, but they didn't live there. So they weren't quote unquote residents, uh, but they rented out the units. So they were owners. Okay. So it's made up of owners. And in a situation like this, it sounds like uh, that most of the people, they were residents there. Uh, it doesn't sound like it was a big rental community. Now, some of them may have been snowbirds that lived somewhere else part of the year and, and lived there part of the year. But for all intents and purposes, okay, they were all residents. They're all owners. All right. Uh, so you have this association that is made up of owners. So how do those owners get on that board? Right? How do they become the board for the association? Well, they're voted on by the other owners. Okay? So you have this board of owners that's voted in by other owners that makes decisions based on votes of the owners. Okay? So you don't have this one person that you can go, it's you. You made all the decisions. It was all on you. Or... A board of directors for a company it's all on you because you make all the decisions no it's kind of like the government in a sense right uh in a very loose sense that you vote somebody in to the senate you and you expect them to make decisions based on your vote Uh, a condo association actually votes even a little bit more so uh voting uh, excuse me budgeting rather is voted on so a budget is created by the board of the association, it is presented to the members of the association and it is voted on. And the owners, the owners of the individual condos are the ones who make those decisions, okay? Um, Part of that a lot of times is assessments. There's usually a line item for reserves and assessments and sometimes there's special meetings for additional assessments, okay? That's one of the things that's going to come up here in this case. Um, the, the members of the board have a, what's called a fiduciary duty. And, uh, one of them, uh, Scott Stewart has been named individually, uh, in lawsuits as a defendant. Uh, Another one that we have here is this more Beto consultants Inc. And they did an analysis and a report on the building Uh, Concrete Protection and Restoration, Inc., Uh, they also did an analysis on the building. Uh, Wilcott Engineering, uh, 87 Park, LLC, and there's uh, several different iterations of that, uh, including uh, 8701 Collins Avenue Condominium Association. Uh, My understanding is the uh, 87 Park, that uh, 8701 Condo Association, then there's 8701 Collins development, and there's several other defendants. That's a new building being built. And what they're trying to say in this is you were building your building and you did something to cause this building to collapse. Uh, that's uh, that to me, that's going to be a really tough road to hoe, especially right in the beginning of a lawsuit. You know, it's one of these things where you can amend a lawsuit really easily to add defendants it's really easy to lose a defendant if you can't prove why they should be a part of it, okay? Now, maybe it's the concept of, hey, we're going to name you as a defendant and hopefully your insurance company pays out, okay? Um, Maybe, but to me, that's gonna be a a really tough road to go and and even more so, uh, I'm not really sure how you tie in the uh condo association for that because it's just a group of the owners and they don't really have anything to do with the actual physical construction of the building so um that's that's what i'm seeing there as far as that and i really i think it's a stretch i really do if i'm on the defense side for that i'm filing a motion for summary judgment that hey they don't really have uh, any leg to stand on they don't have any evidence to show that we did anything Uh, it's too speculative so in uh, in the law, you can't be uh, you can't be overly speculative. You can't be speculative at all. You have to actually have facts that show. So let's look at though a couple of these things, and, and it's really you know it, it's a tough thing. And so you have this condo association. You have owners who are making the decisions. Okay, and look, you're, you're talking about owners who a high percentage of them are retirees. Most times, and I'm making a generalization here, but most times retirees live on a somewhat fixed budget. So you go, okay, I have this mortgage. It's for X number of dollars. It's for $4,000 a month. And I have condo association dues that are, I don't know, 250 a month. I can afford that. Well, what happens when that major repair bill comes in and that needs to be taken care of? Well, the co- the board, the association goes, hey, we need to have a special meeting to impose what's called an assessment. And that assessment goes, hey, everybody who lives here, everybody who owns a place here, yeah, we're going to need an extra $1,000 from you, okay? Um, if you don't pay it, we can levy fines against you. We can actually put a lien on your property, okay? And eventually we can foreclose on your property, right? I mean, that that's pretty significant. Uh, condo and homeowners associations in Florida have a lot of power, okay? But is that necessarily the right move? And, and so you have this association, and, and this association can be presented with whatever they're presented with, right? And in this particular instance, they were presented with Potential fixes that were in the million, tens of millions of dollars. I I believe the number uh, was about fifteen million dollars. It was at at least fifteen million dollars that was needed for the repairs. And from everything I've read on this, the problem became: you go and and you ask for a special assessment because you need to put that money in reserves so you can start saving the money to do the repairs. Okay, and the owners voted no. And from from everything I've seen, those meetings were contentious, right? So you have these really contentious meetings where the board's saying, "Hey, we're going to need 15 million dollars, well, but we can't just pull it out of our pocket as the association. We don't have any way to generate revenue other than the money that we collect from the owners, right? Which oh by the way, we as the association and the board were owners also. So anything that the group votes on. We have to pay as well, um, and, and it's it's a difficult thing. And and I, as I mentioned, I've represented um, associations in the past, and it's it's tough. It's tough when you have to get people to pony up money for something that's not really going to benefit them. And I know in hindsight, this would have benefited everybody. Okay, but think about that home repair that you have that you don't really want to do because you can't see it, it doesn't actually make the house prettier, right? I don't think anybody ever goes, I want to put a new roof on my house, right? You do it because you have to, because it's leaking or whatever the case may be, right? But you're not excited about it. You're probably going to put it off as long as physically possible, because you're going to have a party at your house and go, hey, everybody, check out my new roof. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean... Maybe you put a a tile roof and it was a shingle roof before. I don't know. Maybe Um, people get excited about things like that. I don't know. But it's not something you get excited about. It's not like, oh, we're, we're making the building more beautiful, right? We're giving you a better place to come to. No, we're just making it so that it would stay up, which is extremely important. But I'm not sure that anybody could ever wrap their head around that this could happen. Okay. And, and, you know, yes, there are several reports that talk about that there's concrete deterioration and that most likely because of that deterioration, or that deterioration is occurring because the rebar inside that concrete is rusting. Okay. And a lot of that has to do with it being near salt water, But it's not like we have a lot to look back on. It's not like we have a lot of instances that go, when concrete looked like this, this building did this, right? We have that now, right? We have the benefit of hindsight, right? There was an issue and lo and behold, the building came down. And look, I'm not downplaying it by any stretch of the imagination, okay? But there's a lot of different ways to look at it. It, Kind of interestingly, uh, as I've, was pulling up some of the things for this. The clerk of court in Miami-Dade County has closed their building because they found structural damage. How long was that there? Is that building going to fall down tomorrow? Who knows? Okay. So there's a a really, there's a a lot of interesting pieces there. Yes, the association uh, could get a loan potentially. Now, the question is, who's going to write a $15 million loan uh, for repairs? So a lot of, a lot of tough questions there not a whole lot of answers. Um, so there is a count against, like I had said, the association and, you know, what they're saying is that they failed to disclose that the structure was unsafe um, and that they, they put the people at risk and that the association, this, I, I find this one interesting, right? Because it's permitting the water from the pool deck and other water in existence under the structure to seep and leak into the structure of the building. Um, I'm not sh- necessarily sure they let it happen. Maybe they didn't repair it. But I don't think they actually let it happen. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, I find it interestingly, interesting the way it's worded there. Uh, interestingly, not yeah, I can't, I'm questioning the way something's worded and I can't even get words out correctly. Um, then you got Scott Stewart, who uh, as an individual, as a member of the board is is named on here. And, and, and look, it, the problem becomes you're essentially suing yourself right? So you have these insurance policies and there's uh, at least three insurance policies that deal with the building itself. And uh, it's something in the long lines of like $46 million uh, from what I've been able to to find so far. But here's the thing. What do you do if you live there, right? So we have all these people who were hurt and killed as a result, but then we have these people that survived. They lost their home. Okay. And, And look, I'm not saying that losing your home is worse than losing your life as a result. Okay. But There's forty six million dollars in insurance money. You have to cover the injuries. And oh, by the way, just because you died doesn't mean that your mortgage that you had on that condo goes away. So you've even so you're gonna have families who are going to ultimately become responsible for that mortgage, or that mortgage is gonna go into foreclosure. Okay, there's I don't know a whole lot about probate, but I know there's gonna be ramifications there as far as far as that goes and, you know, could it impact uh, what, um, what inheritances may come about. But, you know, the, the, the problem becomes what happens with all that, all that insurance money? Because if you own a house, okay, so let's, let's break this down for a second. You own a house, you have homeowner's insurance. If a hurricane knocked down that house, your insurance pay for you to buy, to build a new one. Okay. Yes, there's deductibles. And if it's a hurricane, it's fairly high. So maybe a hurricane isn't the best example. Say your house just collapses, just like Surfside. Boom, done. Um, I I actually can think of an example, uh, an attorney that I worked with owned a building um, here in Tampa had roof work done. And it immediately when I heard of uh, the Surfside collapse this was the first thing I thought of had roof work done. It was a flat roof and it wasn't done correctly. It allowed the water to pool in a certain spot. And because of the way this water was able to pool when it rained, the building collapsed. They actually thought it was, it was bad enough that they thought a tornado cause it, it happened right around when there was some really bad storm, um, not a hurricane storm, but one of our thunderstorms that sometimes shoot up a tornado real quick, right in and out. They thought it was a tornado then they went back and realized, okay, there wasn't a tornado that touched down. Trying to track it back to this roof repair, but the building actually just collapsed. Boom, done. Just and I drove by it one day and I called him. I go, what happened to your building? It's just is a pile of rubble. And so, in that sense, so say that was your house, right? Your homeowner's insurance would pay for you to build that back up. Okay, kind of no harm, no foul. Here you go. Yeah, you pay your deductible, right? but here's a new house in a condo. You don't have that because in a condo, you get insurance for your stuff inside. Okay. But the association is responsible for the insurance for the building, which they had, there's $46 million in insurance. Okay. Um, from what I can tell, the land that this is built on is worth about 2 million, which I find mind boggling because it's on the water in South Florida. Um, figure it's got to be worth it more than that you can go get a I've seen lots listed for sale in South Tampa on the water for more than for more than 2 million and they're just single family home lots not a condo lot but anyway we digress so you don't really have an avenue to pay off that mortgage or is there going to be enough money to pay off those mortgages okay so you've all these issues and there's no real answers yet okay but you do have all these lawsuits Right, and you have all these defendants. Uh, this one, I find this troubling from a legal sense. Okay, it, is this you have this more more veto consultants? All right, and what they did, and, and I, I'm pulling up the complaint here and, and looking at what they did is they inspected the building. Okay, and the complaint doesn't talk about that they inspected the building and were negligent in their findings that hey you missed this two-foot-wide crack that was 20 feet long, okay? It's not what it, it's not what happened, right? If That happened, yeah. Okay, they were negligent, and they should be held responsible because i tell you what, I know nothing about buildings, but I see a two-foot-wide crack that's 20 feet long, and I'm going, yeah, that's probably not good. You should probably do something about that. I don't know. I'm just a lowly lawyer. I don't know. I, I don't know much about construction. But... Be that as it may, they find the defects, okay? They report the defects. So you have a consultant that comes out and they say, yes, there's a danger, okay? And you're going to sue them because they let you know that there was a danger, but that that uh, you didn't take what's deemed as uh, appropriate or reasonable precautions generally recognized to protect the public in general. And, um, that, you, that you, uh, acted in a negligent manner by allowing a hazardous and dangerous condition to exist in the building and failing to accurately disclose the inherent dangers associated with major structural damage among others. Um, you know, I don't see anywhere that, that they didn't, that they truly didn't disclose this. I mean, look, the association called them out to do this. They prepared a report and the repair was going to be several million dollars and the association never did it. Okay. How is it the consultant's fault? Right. And and if we look at, and, and this next one, concrete protection and restoration falls in the same category. Okay. Um, they went out and, uh, they they looked at the building, and they're saying that that they didn't repair the foundation, the roof, and other structural components of the building, um, and, and that uh, that they failed to secure the foundation of the building, and that they knew a dangerous condition existed, and they didn't disclose it to anybody, okay? This is not saying that they did work on it, okay? This is saying that they came out, they looked at it, they inspected it but that they didn't take appropriate measures, including immediate repair repair and evacuation. So essentially what this is saying is these private companies, out of the goodness of their heart, okay, should have spent their time and manpower to repair this building that the association wasn't willing to pay for, that the association wasn't willing to pay for because the condo owners wouldn't vote to allow an assessment. Okay, now let's take this one step further. How many buildings out there have these structural defects? I have no idea, okay? All I know is we don't see buildings falling down all the time, and my guess is that this condo building is not the only building with structural defects like this, okay? So let's play out the alternate scenario. Let's say these two companies did everything that this plaintiff's attorney wants them to do, right? They should have put people on more notice. They should have... Immediately evacuated everybody from the building, okay, until all these repairs were done. Number one, where do these people go? Okay, what happens to the property values? Right, that's a really, that's a really very real thing because the association has what's called a fiduciary duty to the owners to protect the values of their condos, right? So you have these things really working in opposite here. Because I guarantee you, if these places rang the alarm and said, oh my God, this building is falling down, it's gonna fall down, it's it's happening. Because look at all these cracks. And it never does. And you have these condos that go for, call it 800,000, I don't know exactly what the value was prior to, but my guess is probably between 500 and 800,000. Okay, that happens, right? You have all these things saying, don't move here, don't move here. We just evacuated everybody out of here. Um, and oh, it's not safe to live in. So you can't sell it. So now you have, for example, a $500,000 house that you can't, or condo rather that you can't sell. You can't even sell it for a hundred thousand dollars because you can't inhabit it. That's a problem, right? That is a major, major fiduciary problem. So there are no real answers in this one. Okay. Who's at fault? You know what? I, I think, uh, I think time will tell. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to find somebody truly at fault because there are so many different layers. And you can always come back to the fact that the condo owners voted not to allow the additional assessments. Okay. That would, that could have, could have funded these repairs. All right. Now, should the association have done more Look, that's, that's probably a question for somebody who does a lot of condo law and, and is really well-versed in the really nuances, right? Kind of highlighting the need to, when you need an attorney, find someone who specializes in that area because there are a lot of little nuances. Anyway, look, the Surfside Collapse, major, major catastrophe, okay? Um, not downplaying that by any stretch of the imagination, Um Really, these lawsuits are really very interesting. Uh, I could go on for probably hours breaking these things down, but you know, the point that I want to bring home on this is there's a lot of different people involved. Um, I don't know who's at fault, right? Um, There may not be. There may not be any one person that you can go, this person's at fault, okay, or this company's at fault. Um, It comes down to joint several liability. You could have several people and you can't. Joint several liability says, You have several people who could have caused it or did play some role in something, but we can't delineate who did what, okay? So you all get to come together and you all have equal responsibility. And if you all want to sue each other on the back end and figure out who's more responsible, go after it. Me as a plaintiff's attorney, I don't have to to figure that out, okay? But I do think we come into a really dangerous position in the law to try to say, a consultant who comes out and does a report should have evacuated the building. Okay. Now they may have a duty to arm the association with those facts. And from everything I've read, they did that. Okay. What happens after that is between the association and the owners. And most likely it would need to go to a vote. Okay. Um, may do a follow up on this because this is all really new. These lawsuits are about a week old. (laughs) So, um, in terms of anything a week in the law is, uh, is nothing. Okay. The, the defendants haven't even had to answer yet. Okay. They have 20 days to answer, assuming that no discovery was filed. And I didn't see that any discovery was filed with the complaints, just that the complaints were filed. Um, so they'll have 20 days from when they were served. I don't even ha- see any returns of service in the clerk's, uh, site yet to know this is what starts our 20 day clock. So we're at the the one yard we're at our own one yard line with 99 yards to go right we're actually probably at our own half yard line with 99 and a half yards to go uh those of you who watch football and are excited about the buck season coming up um but anyway uh that is that is the breakdown on this uh really terrible tragedy but um you know just because something bad happens doesn't necessarily mean that there is somebody truly at fault um so this is a, a really bad situation and I don't think there's an easy answer and I don't think there's a, a pot of gold at the end, at the end of any rainbow here on this one. But, um, that is my breakdown on this. It is the law father podcast. Special thanks as always to radio influence and check us out on all of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, a little bit on TikTok. Yeah, maybe we'll up that game just a little bit more. Um, but by all means check us out on Instagram tip Tuesday, fact Friday, and right from the law father headquarters, Father out.